In episode two, we spoke about capturing carbon and turning into diamonds. And um, I just wanted to do a bit of a follow-up on that. I came across an article. There's a uni in the US and America. They've worked out a way to use sunlight to break down methane, which is obviously you know all in the atmosphere, break it down into hydrogen and carbon, pure hydrogen, pure carbon. doesn't create any carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide. Like that is the ultimate. So it just uses sunlight. It breaks these, you know, harmful molecules or whatever they are in the atmosphere, breaks it down into pure hydrogen and pure carbon, which obviously can be used for many things. How cool is that? That definitely trumps our idea in episode two. That's amazing. Is, is that the carbon to diamonds? Yeah, that was our idea. But this one um, takes the cake. Amazing. <laughs> you know, there's the prevention, but then there's also the capture and all those ideas around how do we capture and take that pollutants out of the atmosphere that's already there, as well as, yeah, how do we prevent it? But that's that's uh, that's from episode two. This week, I got two words: wine, windows. What do you reckon? <laughs> so imagine it's the year sixteen thirty. Right, the bubonic plague is ripping through Europe. Right? Not unlike COVID that we've just had, but during COVID, during the last pandemic, what are the two main things that people did? Any guesses? Two main things that people still did or did more of? I don't know. No idea. They binge streaming services, so they just watched a whole bunch of streaming TV, and they drank. Like sales of alcohol went up across the country. Right. So the two things that, that people did more of during COVID and obviously in 1630, they didn't have streaming, but they did enjoy their wine. And, you know, Italy is known for uh, or Europe is known for its wine. And social distancing was a thing back then as well. Right. So the wine window is actually something they developed back then. And it was developed in a place in a city that uh, you've just recently visited in Florence. So a bit of a coincidence there. So really what they did in this is this period. So these tiny wine windows, they popped up around the city. I think there's about 350 or 300 or so all up. They've done a bit of an order to, to kind of have a look at that. But what they allowed people to do is they allowed merchants to sell wine through this little wine window, basically through this small hole in the wall to avoid this direct contact with clients. But not only did it do that and prevent that, that contact, so it helped with social distancing, but apparently because they set it up in the way they did, they didn't have to pay taxes either because technically they weren't opening up a shop, right? So crazy idea, I think. I saw this on a, on a documentary. I think what I'm suggesting here is why can't we do that anywhere else? It's literally... Only in Florence and a few other um, smaller cities and towns uh, through Tuscany. Not sure if you saw any while you were over there. No, I didn't. What a great way of opening up a low-cost business on a fairly high-margin product. What, what do you think? I think <laughs> wine hole. <laughs> yes, like wine the hole. First thing that came to my head. Wine hole. <laughs> well, wine um, window. I Let's dress it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. As, so you're suggesting it as like a, a business that we can uh, take around the world and into different cities. Well, so I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, any city that you're in. You know, restaurants could open up a, a hole in the wall if you if you want to go with that, the wine hole. They could open it up on the side of their their building. You know, if it's in a high traffic area, you could aggregate it, where you basically set up a series of windows throughout the city and then sell particular brands on their behalf. Um, so you, you're kind of acting as an aggregate service. You could do it at festivals or you know those kind of events where there's a lot of people. So maybe it's a van or a truck or something like that. But you literally just have all these wine windows lined up. And it could be that each wine window is a different brand or it's basically just a different line for each window. And you know the way it works, you literally just walk up. You can bring a glass or they provide a glass, put your money through the window, and then a hand pops out with the full glass and you take the glass and drink. <laughs> I think this, it's, it's such a funny idea. 
Yeah, I think it's quite brilliant, actually. Yeah, and I love forming these ideas and taking an idea from the past and such a long time ago and bring it into the future. And we've tied it in with a festival and then it's got all the brands. You can imagine like, you know, why stop at wine? You know, it's like an alcohol sort of window. And I'm just imagining a festival as you explain that. I'm imagining the festival and it's sort of like there's a wall and there's like, you know, Coopers or, you know, like uh, Heineken. And then it's like Pims and you know, all these like brands and then they all have their own window and it's, I can imagine it in like a modern version. So I love it. Yeah. But I do think there's an opportunity as well to connect it back, you know, so culturally or from a nostalgia standpoint, you know, you, you could uh, embed some kind of historical element to it. So I think uh, in Florence, they have plaques which talk about the building that the wine window is is in. So they talk about the history of it. And I've seen them around Adelaide in our city. So you could do something like that if that was relevant. I mean, you could further collaborate with local artists. You could have you know, musicians or, you know, you could have murals and, you know, the, the wall kind of dressed up around it and really turn it into an experience and really that novelty fact. I think that's whether this is a long-term idea, whether people will continue to get their wine from holes, as you say, um, I don't know, but I think definitely there's a novelty factor, at least for a short period of time. For sure. So I think first, do people want it? I mean, I think one element is, yes, people love to drink. I don't think we need to do any research on that. <laughs> it's uh, It's been consistent throughout time. But like you say, will people go up to a random hole in the wall, put money in it and get a random wine back? That will be, <laughs> will people want to do that? I don't know. I think that nostalgia, the novelty, um, you know, you can talk up the contactless nature of it, connected to the culture. Obviously, you'd, you'd brand it and market it. So people know they're not going up to a, a random window in the wall. By the way, they're about 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters just to give you an idea of right. how big they okay. are. I was wondering that. Yeah, yeah. so maybe say the size of a laptop turned mm-hmm. portrait, like turned up on its side. That's kind of roughly okay. how big they are. But they look, and particularly the ones in Florence, they've kind of got the like the gothic trim around it. So, you know, the, the way that those windows are, they've got like the old bricks kind of around the whole window. Mm. So it looks it looks quite nice. It's not literally just a, a like a, a cut-off hole in the wall. Yeah, just so I should point that out. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously, you know, you could change the alcohol to the season. So if it's local wine, you know, you could partner with wineries and things like that and, and change it um, along with the seasons. From a feasibility standpoint, I think there's probably two, two main things. One, where do you find a premises that has a wall that's in the right spot? Because it would need to be, I mean, not all the time, but I think it would need to be in a fairly high traffic area. If it's too far out, maybe if it's good enough, people will deliberately make the trip there. But you kind of want to make it in a high traffic area. So finding those premises is probably not an unlimited supply. And then the other one, pretty obviously, I think, is around regulations and laws and licenses um, around selling alcohol. I know, at least in our city, you can't walk around in public or you can't consume alcohol in public. So that's not true everywhere. And maybe for certain periods of time or certain zones, you know, there might be exemptions, but they're obviously the things that you need to think about from that feasibility standpoint. And then I think the service and the logistics of getting the alcohol, I think that's relatively straightforward. Place the order, get people to serve, blah, blah, blah. That's really not the hard bit. And then how would you make money? And I think it's fairly straightforward. People give you money, you give them wine. Like that's... (laughs) That's that's the, the most straightforward. So cash for wine in a hole, pretty good margins and pretty low overhead costs. It depends if you own the restaurant. I mean, you've got the other overhead costs, but if you're maybe renting the wall of a restaurant, so you go to a restaurant and say, I want to open up a wine window in this little section of your restaurant, overheads will be relatively small. I think you could build in memberships or loyalties. So that's that's kind of for your regular users, but then also promote it to tourists. I think it'd be a great tourist thing. You know, if people know that they come to, 
to a particular city and they're going to almost go on a wine tour or a wine trail around all of these windows or like when you have the scavenger hunt around a city where you got to go and try and find yeah. all the different things like it could be you got to go find all the different wine windows I, I mentioned it before but partnerships with local wineries or breweries would be an obvious one so whether you just become a, a distributor or a retailer for their product or whether you go a little bit further and you know you might do a special promotion or, or something like that with them but that's that's basically it. Wine windows. We'll go with wine windows, not wine holes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wine window. So I think I really do love the idea. And I think to your point, it definitely needs to be in a high traffic area. And recently moving to London, I can see this really actually, you know, going off here. In It's what my experience has been so far is just there's pubs on every corner here. This would be ideal when it's summer. So basically no one sits inside. You walk down the street and everyone, it's just like people sprawled out onto the streets on a Thursday afternoon from like 12 to, I don't know, seven or even later, but from a Thursday to like Sunday, it's, you know, uh, business people or corporate people drinking out in the street. So it's, I can see this working there because they're already out there, right? And then, you know, you just like getting handed drinks. I really like your innovation yeah. around uh, the business model and going up and renting a wine window and, and someone else going into a different venue and be like, oh, I'll run the wine window here. I'm, I'm that guy. Like That's my little business. So I think that's quite innovative. And I also like your idea of a membership subscription, potentially, I was thinking as well. You know, you have that subscription. And then it's also like a way for, for venues to attract people to their a venue as well. It's like, oh, we've got this wine window to your point around novelty. And it's like, you know, maybe you get one free, free wine through the wine window and then day for dinner or whatever you know i think that's there's a little interesting sort of promotional tool as well so yeah really really do like the idea yeah the regulation is gonna be challenging in some places i guess but if they're already drinking outside i mean yeah i feel like australia needs to relax on the whole like dry zone thing anyway it's pretty intense in australia <laughs> yeah it is yeah but i mean pl plenty of places around the world that um, are more lax I, I think particularly europe there's there's probably less restrictions and, and laws around that i'm not sure but i just <laughs> based on their culture and you know being italian myself i know that walking around and having a drink outside you know, it's perfectly acceptable yeah 100 um, um, and i think the building or, or window company who's installing these wine windows that could be another part of the business you know if you're the company installing them yeah true yep all right there we go now what do you got <laughs> what have crazy, I got? No doubt. I don't know about crazy. I think. Well, well you you me, tell uh, me what it is, and I'll tell you if it's crazy or not. <laughs> well, Dan, you know they have these days. You see dogs in bandanas. You see cats in hats, but you don't see fish in fashion. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, scale of one to five, crazy. Five. May, no, maybe four. <laughs> maybe four. Okay, so I want to start a fish clothing line for, for pet fish, a clothing line for pet fish. Okay. Or a new concept, which I'm calling fishin. Oh, my God. It's getting worse. All right, keep going. You know, like fashion, no, fishin. Uh, yeah. Okay, that was a terrible joke. <laughs> let, me, let me break you down, though, because I'm actually, I want to say, this is probably my most, I'm most excited about this idea out of every idea that I've had from an actual business standpoint. Okay? Wow. Okay. So, the broader pet accessory market continues to grow around the world. And globally, the pet fish market was worth $22 billion in 2020, right? In the US, there was nearly a billion dollars spent on pet fish-related accessories in 2020. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. 
I mean, in the UK, 600 million, Australia, 400 million market size for pet accessories. So just to capture a small amount of market here is a huge opportunity, I think, right? And we've already seen, it's sort of already validated because of these other costumes and things that people are dressing their animals in these days. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's like- I have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely, it's it's a movement, right? It is, but yeah, no one's dressing trend, up their, right? their aqua fish. No, you are right. It's definitely a trend. I've seen lots of it recently. Just the attention and the extra money that people are spending on their pets. And maybe it's part of maybe COVID accelerated it. So people are at home, less money to spend on going out and travel. So they're going to spend it on their pets sure. or well, yeah, other no, things. It could be home. a COVID thing or, a, yeah. I mean, I think pets are also going through a bit of a movement as well of, of sort of, you know, animal cruelty and all that sort of stuff as well. Like pets mm-hmm. are getting a more, a higher status. So I think that's part of it as well. And I mean, who wants their fish to swim naked all the time? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, why is your fish swimming around naked like an absolute, just like a pest? Well, that's, like that's how they are. But first question I have is, I'll, I'll do clothes in inverted commas, but how do you catch the fish? How do you put the clothes on them? Yeah, so there'll be a mechanism to, to uh, you know, to put the clothes on the fish, whether it's sort of like a little, uh, you know, like maybe it's sort of too long pieces of, of sort of stick, you know, or something like that. So imagine maybe a chopstick sort of thing. And then, you know, you, you go in and then you've got to sort of like guide it over the fish or, you know, you've got to strap it onto the fish, depending on the on the item of clothing, whether it's a hat or whether it's like a suit or whether it's, you know. <laughs> How are you going to get <laughs> a fish to wear a hat? And then I, 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 I think it. it's very achievable. You can actually train. Um, so I had a goldfish back in before I moved, and you can train your you can train goldfish to do things. It's just they they move to towards food and, and that sort of thing. So you can actually train them. I've seen them. You look at you can look at them online, and anyone can look this up. You can uh, Google like goldfish shooting baskets, and there's like a goldfish that just like plays basketball, and it like knocks the ball around in in the thing, and and so they're they're actually very trainable. Right. So let's talk about the desirability. So, I mean, we're not sort of, so it's not really, it's like hard with fashion and solving a core problem. We're not really solving a problem for the fish here. The only problem we're solving for humans is basically just like emotional appeal. So, you know, we're just allowing them to humanize their pets, you know, showcase their pets' personalities and, you know, allowing their fish to um, express themselves or their, their human to express themselves as well. Maybe you can design the clothes. I don't know. There's And, you know, it's just aesthetics, tank enhance, enhancement. You know, you're just making the tank look better. People are already buying, you know, trees or, you know, they buy like a diver, the old school. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think just the other problem here is it's just like good social media content for people, right? Yeah. Yeah. They put in treasure chests, producer Rodney has said as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So I think, yeah, good. It, it's also solving the problem of good social media content, which everyone loves. Everyone loves a bit of social media content. All right. So let's just talk about the feasibility, though. So I think the actual, like to your point, uh, we we're talking about this earlier, maybe, and you know, the material innovation of actually designing the clothes would be the initial challenge i think you know getting the the prototype of of you know eco-friendly non-toxic materials bioplastics or algae based clothing right so i think there would be a significant maybe investment in in the actual innovation of inventing the clothing but i think yeah and then the, there's obviously the uh regulatory hurdles that's involved in that as well so you know pet safety you've got to pay off the wildlife organizations <laughs> i don't want to pay them off i mean you've got to get approval you know what i mean that, that sort of thing as well so that i think that's a big thing as well and then there's obviously the long-term impact on your pets so if you've got like a some goldfish I know can live for quite a long time. So I think, yeah, I think some live up to like 40 years, I think, cod and, and I like actual bigger fish depending on how big they are, right? 
So you don't look for that long-term impact on the fish and the ecosystem that the fish is living in. Is it a good idea? Well, this is where I get excited, Dan, because uh, everyone's searching for an e-commerce idea that is low cost to manufacture and then high margins. You know, that's the dream. I mean, fish clothes are tiny, right? Low shipping costs. There's going to be no weight in that. And then with the with you know scalability and production costs, you could be producing so many of these clothes, so much of this clothing, and then it's just like the production cost is so minimal, and then you could mark that up. I mean, people would buy that you know thirty bucks piece of clothing. I'm, I'm pricing that thirty AUD or you know maybe like fifteen pounds that I'm pricing this at for a t-shirt or a hat or something, right? And it's like you know special algae based clothing, whatever lasts you know forever, warranty, guarantee, all that sort of stuff, right? So I think it's, it's just huge margin. So this is a legitimate thing that I was actually thinking of exploring after I did the research for this podcast. I was like, whoa, this is actually a high margin, low cost. You know, it's it's ideal, right? And then obviously, you know, the adoption rate, I think you could go viral on social media doing this and, you know, advertising, I think it would definitely take off, you know, on a TikTok or Instagram Reels sort of campaign. So I think that would be how I'd approach it. What do you think? Yeah, I, sorry, I, I love it. I, I think you're right. It's, it's probably one that's relatively simple. I think you're right. Setting up the manufacturing and that process of how you create it. But once you've got that, and I, I suppose that's probably the hardest part of any, you know, econ business. But once you've set that up, you're right. It would be pretty low margin, uh, sorry, pretty high margin, kind of low effort. I think people would buy it. You're right. People will spend money on their pets. It's crazy. I mean, I wouldn't buy this. I don't have a fish, but I probably wouldn't buy a hat for my fish, but there would be lots of people who would. So yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. Like, I mean, it's interesting. I think it, yeah, it comes back to that personalization, make their fish look better. It's like a cutesy thing. And I don't typically understand, I don't buy that type of product. Like it's like figurines or something, you know, like people that are really into figurines and they buy figurines and they build a collection and that sort of thing. It's like, I, I, I don't resonate with that. Like I wouldn't buy that. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's just novelty category, right? Like this capital, yeah. you know, the things are just novelties. I think it falls into that. So I find that a very interesting category. People just buying it just out of pure joy. Yep. Love it. All right. Well, <laughs> if you, uh, if you started up, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah. Fishing. I'm, I'm coining it now. If you see anyone doing this, you know, you heard it here first. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and if anyone is listening and you see a pet, clothing line you need to drop me a message 100 send me a message on linkedin instagram or if you've done this if you've given your fish clothes i want to hear about it so drop me a message on instagram or linkedin or you can send us an email but that's fine as well easy yeah nice and we'll um wrap it up there two mm-hmm. short pretty high margin businesses this week which is cool yeah if you like the pod or you like what we've said uh, make sure you go to apple or uh, the apple podcast or spotify stores and give us a, a rating or review and it helps us be more searchable more recognized in those stores and i think that's it we're done see you later dan